Do you feel there is a gap between how you are in person and how you are perceived by others? Do you feel like an imposter that your voice is not heard? Do you struggle to talk in public? Do you want to have a bigger impact? Do you want to serve at a higher scale and share your valuable gifts? Then you want to listen to my guest today, Evelyn Brink. She's an amazing human being that has made wild things happen in herself, like becoming the number one impersonator of Madonna in the UK, singing, dancing, and acting, even though she was told as a kid that she had a broken voice and some teachers didn't want to train her. She has also helped others create the impossible. In this episode, Evelyn shares how becoming a singer was her personal healing journey of her voice and how that healing taught her how to be in a really good relationship with her body in order to do the things her soul and her spirit wanted to do. She has overcome so many things in her life and now is sharing all her gifts with the world. In this episode, she talks about how to find balance between pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, believing in your dreams, following your dreams, and going too far. What's the order of things when you're pursuing your dreams and desires so you don't break or burn out? the importance of connecting with the wisdom of your body. We talked about what it means to be yourself and be authentic, and this is from a professional impersonator. The double use of masks, especially for leaders and CEOs. The usefulness of feeling the imposter syndrome, yes. We get a new angle on the meaning of being selfish and how we all should be more selfish in a good, selfish way. We also talk about what is the number one hack for stage confidence. How to have more impact, you also need more joy. How leadership relates to full body presence. We discuss if an extrovert is in a better position to be on stage and the answer might surprise you. We also talk about confidence and how it's projected differently among women and men. And she leaves us with a long list of changes that she wants to see in the world. If you want to create more impact, you have to listen to this whole episode and you have to dive deep into Evelyn's Brink world. So, ready for this episode? Have you ever wondered what makes people capable of creating changes that impact their lives and the world around them? What is their way of thinking, their mentality, their patterns, their perceptions of the world, their reactions to different life events? What influences them? My name is Cristina Puyol, and I invite you to join me in this adventure where we will explore together the mind of change makers. When you read curriculums and people websites, there's so many ways you can express them and some inflate them, some deflate them, some parts them up, some mislead. But with this amazing woman, I don't even know where to start because I feel I won't do her justice. In her career, she has made wild things happen like becoming the number one impersonator of Madonna in the UK, singing, dancing, acting, among other things. And then among other things, jumping into coaching, but just saying coaching is falling very short. I have witnessed how this woman in a matter of minutes can impact the impact that someone can have. So spoiler alert, she is the founder of True Impact, where she helps express, elevate, and train the impact that you can have. And that's also falling short. In her personal life, she has heard these phrases, you will not dance again, your son will live, your daughter has four heart defects. She has endured a lot, and yet she's the most happy, outgoing, inspiring person. So there's so much we can learn from this amazing woman, and I hope in this episode I can squeeze out as much as possible. She wants everyone to go farther into our zone of genius where the impossible becomes possible. So help me in welcoming Evelyn Brink. Hi, Evelyn. Hey, that sounds so good. I want to meet myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see how much we can meet her today. 
<laughs> I am so thrilled to have you here and to have this time and that we can finally make it happen. So it's it's an honor to have you here. Thank you, Christina. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. Let's do this. So let's play. <laughs> so first of all, I would like uh, if you can share a little bit of your journey and what made you go into the Madonna thing and then into coaching. You know, I know it's a long story, but if mm. you can tell us a little bit about you. Uh, okay. How much time do we have for that part? Um, well, as much. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, Don't worry. Okay. Sit yeah. back, relax, grab your favorite cup of tea and listen. Mm. There you go. <laughs> We'll keep it short and brief because we want your listeners to get as much value out of this episode as we can. So, um, right upon a time, I was born in a little place in Germany. And how did I get into the Madonna thing? That happened because, one, my first record deal with Sony Music, I had a, a song out and people said, oh, that sounds really like Madonna. I thought, oh, I take that as a compliment. That means it must sound really good because her stuff sounds great. And then when I went to New York, I lived very close to where Madonna lived when she was a young woman. And I was in uh, off Times Square in Hell's Kitchen. And people would stop me in the street and say, oh, my God, you so look like Madonna. Has anyone ever told you? You totally look like Madonna. I even had a policeman once who oh, <laughs> said, are you sure you're not Madonna? <laughs> so that's how that's how the associations were made. And then when I moved to the UK and I was waitressing because I was an actress uh, and actresses often waitress to make their money. There was a woman who said, well, why don't you do a Madonna tribute act? And she explained to me what that was. And so I auditioned for a tribute agency with my Sony music song and they hired me on the spot wow. and that's how Madonna started. And it's a long, it's a long story because I became, yeah, Europe's premier Madonna impersonator as seen on TV. And I've traveled the world doing shows, impersonating the queen of pop, singing like her, dancing kind of like her. I can't do the whole thing because I'm actually singing live and, and wearing her costumes and looking, doing lookalike work. So, so all the singing is your voice. It's not a. It's not a makeover. Whatever. It's not a, a no, remix no, it's not, or something. It's your no, voice. no. I actually is my voice. So my voice is able to sound like Madonna's voice to the extent that um, at some point people said they were disappointed. They liked the show. They thought I was kind of good, but they wished that I had sung live. And I said I did sing live. <laughs> and they said, Oh, what? We thought that was a record. I'm like, Okay. Thank you. That is a, the, the greatest kind of disappointment compliment ever. From that <laughs> yeah. moment on, I would, I'd had to put the microphone away or speak or change the lyrics sometimes to make sure people knew, no, no, I am singing live. I just happen to sound very much like her. So I now get to sing off pitch. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's the Madonna thing. Coaching. I've been coaching for 20 years, which is impossible given I'm only 20 myself, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. She, she is very young, though. For oh, those totally. only listening, she is. For those listening, I'm totally <laughs> young at heart. And, and beautiful. And yes, thank you. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so coaching happened because I was teaching singing. And I was teaching singing. You know what? They kicked me out of the restaurant that I was waitressing in. And I took that as a divine sign that it was time to actually start my singing studio. But I felt like an imposter because at that time I was only 23, 24, 24, something like this. And I thought, I can't be a singing teacher at 24. But I had healed my voice from dysfunction. So what most people don't know about me is that I had a dysfunctional voice as a child. I only had about five notes to my range. So becoming a singer to me was a very personal healing journey of my voice. And so I knew I had a lot to teach uh, because anyway, this is a whole different story in itself. But powerful. Yeah, that's very valuable, though, because you, you. you yeah, you taught yourself how to heal yourself. I had teachers. Yeah, um, I had a lot of teachers and I had teachers in Berlin, in Mainz and then in New York City. I worked with Broadway teachers. And I worked with spiritual teachers that work with the voice and just spiritual teachers and voice therapists. I've, I've done a whole range of 
wonderful things. And I've spent a lot of time by myself doing exercises and receiving guidance, like spiritual guidance on what to do with my voice. And I would sing for every every day. I would sing about for an hour or make make strange noises, as it were, on a little cliff in Thailand. And because my feet, I, I injured my feet and I couldn't walk. So I was, I just sat on this cliff in Thailand and made my noises every day. And when people met me, they said, oh, you are the, the siren of the rocks. So that's ah. what I wanted. And it worked. I healed my voice. It all it went from a dream. I literally had a dream one day in New York that my voice would be one and not this two part machine, but it would be one and I could glide effortlessly from top to bottom. And I woke up and I thought, oh, man, wouldn't that be amazing if I could actually do that one day? And that dream became reality. And I, I really bridged the gaps in my voice. And yeah, I, I became a singer and all that good stuff. So I knew I had things to teach, but I was very young and, and, and I felt a bit like an imposter because I wasn't your typical singer. I was somebody who had a, a broken voice that she kind of fixed. And but anyway, when they kicked me out of that restaurant, I knew this was the time. And it was really funny because the first job I ever got, the ever first client was a singing teacher herself. And she'd oh, wow. been a singing teacher for a long time, a couple of decades. And I said, why are you here? She said, oh, I'm so bored and you sounded fresh. I thought maybe you can teach me something I don't know. And I thought that is an interesting initiation because I didn't have any official training as a singing teacher. I thought if Spirit sends me a singing teacher as my first client, if I can win her over, then I'm good enough to teach singing. And the result was that she said, you're brilliant. Can I give you my job? I'm so <laughs> And so she gave me her job at a, at a singing school and I became a, a, a coach at that school. And so that's how my singing teaching took off. And then from there, I noticed that when I spoke to people about what was going on for them in their life and then went back to the scales, their voice opened up exponentially. And I discovered that I was more interested in the stories that people would tell me than the actual scales. And that's how I discovered coaching. And then people approached me and said, Evelyn, you're so confident on stage. Can you teach us how to perform on stage? So I started giving workshops in stage confidence and stage performance. And from there, that took me to London. And I don't know how, again, I think there's some spiritual guidance there, but I was sent a, 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 a pop star that wasn't a pop star yet, a very talented young singer who couldn't perform. Great singer, but just very, 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 very shy. And I worked with her, had four sessions with her. And after that, the big record companies weren't going to sign her. Like they were struggling to get any deal. All the four big record labels had a fight over her because they all wanted her. And she ended up having a record deal twice as big as they even had hoped for. Oh, wow. Nice. And then I thought, <laughs> oh, this is interesting. I've got something that's coaching this is interesting. And then I got sent another client um, from the same management. She's still with me to this day. This is this is a long time ago. This is over 13 years ago when she came and she got signed to Universal and got a six figure record deal after working with me. And then it was official. I really have. I knew I had a gift and I needed to hone on that in on that. And then I discovered that you could study life coaching and started doing all these courses and diplomas and certificates. And I never I've never stopped ever since. So that's how the coaching happened. It rolled really from the performance and singing coaching into into confidence and stage and then became transformational coaching, life coaching. I put it on hold for a little bit because I felt again like an imposter because my life wasn't exactly what I thought it should be if you're a coach. So I put it on hold. Then I got myself into the corporate world using my coaching skills, got myself my first corporate job at 29. Wow, nice. <laughs> and made a career from receptionist to executive in two years flat. Wow. <laughs> After that, I thought, okay, now we can go back and actually really coach and and also really go for my career. So I did the Madonna, the, the big Madonna stuff came after that. And then when I then I did my own show, my own one woman show at the Edinburgh Festival. And after that, I thought, okay, guys, I think I've proven myself. Now I can coach. I can definitely coach. And uh, here we are. So there's so many questions I can ask you. The, the, <laughs> first, the first one is, there is a gap between 
having a problem with your voice and then wanting to be a singer. Like for me, there's a huge gap. And I see as a, as a dance teacher, as a dance instructor, so many students that come and I'm like, I can't and I can't. And it's not up to the the gifts or not that they have. It's really up here in their mind. But what, what made you want to be a singer when you had some physical thing going on and not just drop the ball and say, you know, this is not for me? How strange is that? What a great question. I think I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> I'm a freak. I singing was my backup plan for acting. I always wanted to be an actress. I don't know why I wanted to be a singer. It was just in me. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the truth for everyone who has a desire. It's in you. It's not something you choose because you're great at it. Some things are just inside of you. I wanted to sing and I couldn't. It was that way around. It wasn't, yeah, it's definitely, it doesn't sound like a great choice. Like, oh, so you've got a physical problem. Make that your profession. It doesn't make (laughs) I think about it at all. Yeah. And I remember, you know, my singing teachers and the mentors at the University of Performing Arts in Berlin, where I studied musical theater for one year, they did say to me, Evelyn, if you've got problems with your voice, there's no point training you as a singer. And I thought, well, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> but I also can see, I can see there's no logic, but in my system, I, I can't tell you, it is what it is. I, I was made to sing and I sing. I, I, my, I sing and sometimes my voice opens. I noticed that my voice would open at times and at other times close. And so this is a thing that I can help. I help very impactful leaders with uh, right now. I work with a very few select group of people on their voice. And it's interesting how the voice holds a lot of wisdom for you. So I've learned where I'm actually standing from my voice versus from my mind or my feelings. My voice tells me if I'm up for this or not. Like right now, my voice is really open and lively. I obviously, I want to be here. I'm meant to be here. Sometimes it closes up and it tells me, oh, Evelyn, you don't really, you don't really want to be here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Wow. Well, that, that's a level of perception that is really powerful because that's really being in tune, not only with you, but with your voice. I mean, to, to that level of, of tune. And I think it brings hope to many people when they hear, you know, you cannot do this, but inside you want to do it, you know, so it's like it's possible, you know, there's work <laughs> behind it, but it's possible. And, and if you there's something that really moves you, then don't listen to the rest of the world. Just yeah. listen to yourself and find a way. There is a way. You know, they told me I wouldn't dance again as well. And they gave me the crutches and said, take them, you'll need them because I have these weak ankles, apparently, and I'd hurt my feet quite a lot of times and I for a long time in my life long time sounds ridiculous now 20 years later but back then when I was 20 it was a long time because it was three months at a time there I said it I couldn't really walk properly and and then my feet would hurt so quickly and they had all these problems and they said well it's it's not going to go away you won't dance you can't be a dancer like that and I took the did I take them home I took the crutches home and I thought no I'm not having this I'm being Madonna and then (laughs) I think a month later, I'm dancing on stage in Portugal, thinking, oh, I'm glad my doctors don't know this. <laughs> they would never, I mean, I bandaged my foot or whatever I did, but I was doing it. And I often would put my back out just before a show, obviously, that's how it works. I had to learn to be with my body, to be in a really good relationship with my body in order to be able to do the things that my soul, my spirit, my whole being wanted to do. But now that you're asking me about these things, it is a, isn't it a strange thing? Why didn't she choose an easy path? I've always been good at sitting down. Why didn't I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think is the balance between, like you saying, you, know, you, you had uh, these doctors telling you, hey, you know, you have a problem with your ankles, please sit down and then pushing yourself enough so that you fulfill these amazing dreams but not so much that you break on the other side. You know, some people push themselves to that they are completely broken and then it's much harder to put yourself together. So is there a balance? What's the balance? What do you think about this? What a great question. 
Such a good question because you're spot on. And I've seen this in singing and dancing and performance so much where people, especially the healthy people, push themselves in the name of success and then they break and then they're done or they need to heal. I've come from the other side. My body has always been more fragile or more sensitive than the other body. So I've had pains to start out with. My voice was dysfunctional to start out with. The whole thing for me is a healing journey. So I come at it from healing 100%. When I was in New York, I didn't go to the normal dance classes. I went to the dance classes run by teachers who had broken their bodies and developed methodologies that promote healthy movement because I knew ballet is breaking you. Right? I had a 30-year-old ballet teacher who complained about being old and aching everywhere. And I thought, why are you teaching me? I don't want to learn what you know. So in, as that, that, that dismissed me from the University of Performing Arts, I went to New York to find my own teachers and um, combined, did my own schooling. And I looked for teachers who knew how to teach healthy movement, rehabilitation. I looked for teachers who understood rehabilitating the voice. That was my journey. So then fast forward, when I put my back out or I had pains in my feet, I came at it completely from that healing angle. So I would do rest, I would do massage, I see an osteopath, I see body healers. I would, I would have all this medical, alternative medical, spiritual support and I would speak to my body and I would follow my desire. It's that way around. And don't get me wrong, afterwards I will rest. So this, I, I never did this thing where I would push through and then keep going, keep going, keep going. I would push through and afterwards my foot would be in cold water and rest and sleep and spa. And, and maybe that's why I'm so fond, anyone who works with me knows this, how fond I am of spa and deep relaxation and pleasure, because that is the healing force behind everything. Yeah, is that answering the question? Yes, yes, yes. Well, it means you, you, learn, you learn to work with what you have. Mm. and improve it to the maximum and then know that it needs rest also like we, we sometimes do that push 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 and until the body says okay if you're not stopping i'm making you stop <laughs> and oh, you yes. know how how to stop before and rest and heal and take care of it and nurture it i want to take it another to another spin of that of mm -hmm. that story it is um so my body would do things that weren't conducive, like my, I would lose my voice before a gig or I would hurt my back, back before a gig. And so I went into connection with my body and, and spirit. And I would say, what do you want me? Like, what do you want from me right now? What, it, what is it? First, it was whatever done wrong. Then we stopped the punitive approach. It's not about wrong, but what do you need? And often it was actually, Evelyn, we just need you to really, really, really rest so that you can do this performance. Evelyn, I need you to be really quiet. And then I would say, okay, if I'm being really quiet now and I'm resting, can I then do this performance? And I would get it, yes, you can. And then that's what I would do. Or I would ask, um, if you want me to do this, like, why is this happening? If you want me to do this, can you make sure that I'll be fit on the day? And, and in my life, I had cancelled one performance because of illness. And that's because I got a cold when I was, was in, was it Romania? Where was it? I think it was in Romania. And I got ill in Romania. That's very unfortunate. And I just literally couldn't do it. And I, when I did half the set. Other than that, I've never had to cancel on the stage. It was very interesting. So almost like little miracles happening for me to be able to do that. But it's the anti-pushing. I think my personal background, Evelyn's ego, Evelyn's, I'm very ambitious, very energetic. And so the young Evelyn just is this horse with a lot of energy, but not the skill to support the muscle tone. So I've done a lot of work to, to bring balance into my whole system, like physically Pilates and yoga, not big sports. I, I don't go running. I don't go and do a lot of hit. It takes me a lot of time to be able to do intensive training yeah so the the i think the normal energy that runs over the capacity of evelyn's sensitivity i speak of myself in third person they're cute uh, but that's how I've, i needed to learn to work with myself that something that what i'm meant to do but also what i want to do and then what my body wants to do it's it's a really oh it's a, 
If I'm in a good mood, I'll say it's a dance. If I'm in a bad mood, I'll say it's just fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but it, it's a dance. You're saying it is a dance. And it sometimes is. a dance can be a struggle. That's so, right. People step on your toes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I try to lead you and you're not easy to be led. <clears throat> and, and how do you develop this connection with yourself to ask these questions and get the wisdom? Necessity, necessity is the mother of all invention. <laughs> so I would say it's because I, I, I needed to. There was no other way. Or as a therapist of mine once said, where there is no way out, there is a way in. That's, that's good. And I think everybody should develop it, actually. But some people find it hard and they're like, if I sit in silent, I don't hear anything. <laughs> I have so, that too. I have that too. I can sit yeah. in silent and not hear anything. And it's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But it's part of the process, I would think. So, Apparently. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not always easy. It's not always... It sounds idyllic when you hear people talk about it, doesn't it? Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. then I said this, and then it worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. But in between, I was crying. Yeah. You know, I was so frustrated. Why is this happening to me? Why can't it be easy for me to sing? I have this beautiful voice. Why can't it just be there for me? Why can't I do the high notes? Why do I have to overcome such massive fears just to do a beautiful high note? It's still... You know, to this day, it, it takes a lot of courage to sing a higher note, like there's really vulnerable notes. It's why is it such a deep personal journey? Why can't I just? But fact is, those questions don't really help. Yeah. So let's ask questions that help. That's that's also the coaching, the work of a coach, right? That's a coach yeah. <laughs> that's right. Evelyn, and how is it, and I know you mentioned, and I wanted to ask you the question, and then I was reading your website, and I saw that you wrote about it a little bit. When you talk about everyone being themselves, how is it to leave someone else's, you know, singing and dancing like Madonna? So you're not, you're not, you're, you're you, but you're not you, you know, so how does that affect your personality or your way of projecting yourself? Mm. So there's a whole a whole topic of what does it mean to be yourself mm -hmm. and and i am big on authenticity and helping people to really be their fullest version of themselves and then i like to make fun of it saying like you're learning from somebody who's been a professional imposter right? like, everybody says be yourself i tried it i lost my job <laughs> i made a lot of money being someone else so how do you how so first off how does it affect me to be someone else that I'm not. Um, if I really thought I was Madonna, that would make me technically crazy and yeah. affect me in a lot of ways. But I never thought I was Madonna. I acted, I played Madonna. That's a difference. An actor can take on a role and assume that role for a certain amount of time and then healthily come back out of it. Um, that would be acting. And that would be good acting. So that's what I started out with. I thought... Being a Madonna tribute means that I get to sing, act, and dance at the same time, and I happen to have the best role in the world. What better role to play than the Queen of Pop? And then I got bored of it because I don't like repetition so much, and I did something really cheeky. You want to know what that is? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. I allowed myself to be me as a superstar wearing Madonna's costumes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I felt really cheeky because people were paying to see Madonna, right? But they got me. And then to my surprise, the feedback I got was, oh my God, you're so like Madonna. This is crazy. And what I found, which is fascinating to me is when I allowed my inner superstar to break free that is about as Madonna as you can get of course you're not going to be Madonna trying to be Madonna because Madonna never tries to be Madonna she is Madonna so when Evelyn let rip this this really loud I own the world I own you I own all of you you're all my fans I can do with you what I want because you all love me 
persona. As Evelyn, I would feel terrible. I would, I would think like, I can't do this. I'm not famous. I always thought you have to be famous to be afforded that luxury of treating people this way. But I was safe in the costume of Madonna because she's like that and you love her and you know her stuff. So then I would do that thing that I wanted to do anyway and dominate that audience energetically and they freaking loved it. So what I did is I used the mask and the guise of Madonna to allow myself to be even more me. And that takes us to the very interesting and important piece that masks are not just an opportunity to hide. They are actually an opportunity for you to liberate yourself. That's why we dress up. We wear a costume to access a part of ourselves that we don't usually have access to. So you can use a mask to hide or you can use it to free yourself. The choice is yours. That's interesting. That's kind of thinking about acting, you know, in, in acting, some actors, they shine also as people, they don't get lost and some people get lost. It's like they, their acting is like a mask and in their mask, they find so many sides of themselves and, and they thrive as people too. And then some others, they get lost in the mask and their personality and, and they don't even know who they are. And then they have trouble in their personal life. So it's, it's, it's really a tool that you can use for, like you're saying, liberating. Sounds, sounds like a, you know, a nice experiment to do. <laughs> well, I think it's really important for leaders. Um, tell me who is in your audience? Who, who is listening to your podcast? Let's see if there you can make are, Yeah, leaders and entrepreneurs. Wonderful. Yeah. So leaders and entrepreneurs who have, who have to or choose to make a stand, make their voice heard, represent or present themselves will find this very, very useful. Because you're, like, they think of your private persona. If you're a parent, mum Evelyn or mum Christina going on stage making a presentation has a very different vibe than CEO Christina. So is it wrong to be the CEO on stage and the mum at home? No, of course not. We would all say do it. But we also, everybody who's a parent especially, knows how hard that can be to find the CEO in yourself when you've been mothering for a long time, especially with young children, right? When we're involved in so much poop and, and, <laughs> and diapers and clothes and poop and vomit and uh, milk and all that stuff. Then to think about yourself as a CEO, it's almost like that was just a dream. I remember that time really, really well. And it's a, it's a very visceral example. So you use a mask, you use a costume to anchor that persona back in. For me, makeup and dress up, amazing. Because the transformation is instant. As, and for some of us, an outside in kick really, really um, is helpful and kicks it off. So if you put, if you get your hair done, put your makeup on, get your nails done, put your suit on, you access the CEO much quicker than if you, if you ask your, of, of mum you to now feel like a CEO. But the, so the mask is there to help you access different parts of yourself. And makeup is part of masking. Yeah. And some of us do the same thing. Some of us use makeup to hide behind because we're so unhappy with how we look like that we need the makeup to feel normal. And some of us use the makeup to access a different part of ourselves or put this to power makeup or it's the, you know, do you want to accentuate your eyes because you want to have this or the other? We play with it. So for me, uh, hashtag, how do we stay sane and healthy? I have a practice where I go makeup free regularly, also in front of other people. Very important. So that no, not that nobody, but so that I get used to being okay with myself without makeup. Um, and yeah, that, that's important to me. That's how I've traditionally kept my, a bit of balance. And now as I'm, as I'm entering this phase of my life, where it's all about being more, much more bold and more and more unashamed, I'm going to encourage you to put on more makeup than you have before. Put on brighter clothes than you have before. Put on bigger earrings than you have before, just so that you access some bigger parts of your personality. Because if not now, when? When? When are you going to do it? 
Now is the time. Now that you're in leadership, now that you're in that phase of your life where you're leading, you're building, you're creating, you're, you're really in the most powerful phase of your life when it comes to external power, go do it. Like, have fun. Explore yourself. Discover yourself in all different facets. Mm, just say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how can someone become... This is kind of like a very generic question, but if someone feels like an imposter leading or being in a leadership role or wanting to get to more people and have a leadership position, and but they feel like imposter, how can they tap into that power easier, faster, better, I don't know, so that they can really serve? Instantly. Now. Yes. <laughs> so first off, if you feel like an imposter for wanting more and assuming more leadership um, responsibility and vibe, then you're doing it right. Elevating yourself, deepening your impact without ever feeling like an imposter means you're not pushing yourself enough. You can do more. So if you have imposter feelings, congratulations, right? It means that you are going beyond what you're used to. Hallelujah. This is great. Really good stuff. Now, step two, I hear you say, wait a minute, but it feels terrible and it stops me from doing the things I want to do. I get it. I hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I relate. <laughs> I relate. So how do we find our power? We do so by shifting the attention from them back to you. In other words, let's be more selfish. I feel like an imposter when I'm thinking about what you are going to think of me. Now, either I need to learn how to control your mind and your mind and your mind and your mind, or I don't know, what else can I do to not feel like this? It's just crazy. Can you see how it's crazy? The expectation that I can influence everybody to think a certain way about me, or I, I can only show myself in certain ways, I become manipulative to, to have you think a certain way about me. I mean, that is messed up. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Yeah. Stop that nonsense. Shift back, become selfish, make it about you. Step one, why am I here? Why am I even doing this? Why am I doing this? Well, maybe because I love it. Maybe because I want to, maybe because I've been called to it, maybe because somebody asked me, maybe because I want to serve more, maybe because I want to make more money, whatever it is, let your desire be okay. And more important than what you might think of me. And then step three, you mentioned the word serving more. So given that you're speaking to really wonderful, big hearted entrepreneurs and leaders whose intention is to serve more, make serving more important than what people think about you. So this is for the people who are afraid to be selfish. Um, then we go, okay, focus on your leadership, focus on the service. Your job is to serve. If you spend your energy and your thinking in worrying about what they think about you, then you're being selfish, like proper selfish in the sense that we don't want to be because you think it's about you. Do you? Oh, yeah, what are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about me? That is selfish. It's a thought that is only there for you at the cost of other people because you're robbing them of their experience of your brilliance. So focus and shift into service. Make the service more important. And this, by the way, has been my number one hack for stage confidence. For people, for my clients who've been afraid to go on stage, oh, what if I mess up? What if I do this? Your mission is more important then you're messing up. In fact, messing up is creates some of the best moments ever. But make it about the service. So when I was a performer, the service that I gave was to entertain and to uplift and to take people on a journey outside of their daily worries. I give you an experience of Madonna th that you'll never have other than that. You get closer to the idea of Madonna than ever. And we're playing this fantasy game together. My services to you is I'm going to give you a hell of a good time. That's my service. I'm going to really take you somewhere else. As a coach, my service to you is I'm dedicating my energy, my time, my brilliance, my genius to your transformation. I'm making sure that I give you everything I've got so that you can grow, evolve, elevate. I said transform already. I'll say it again. <laughs> and again, also have a good time because in my world, 
that works best when we're having a mighty good time together. Yeah. That's my service. And that is more important than what you think of me. If you want to think things of me that aren't nice, do you know whose problem that's going to be? Yours. You're poisoning your own experience with your judgmental thoughts. Your choice. I'm not going to stop you from it. But I'm inviting you to have a much better experience of life. Come along on the ride. So focus on your service. Focus on yourself. Make it about your wonderful experience. I didn't, um, my example for that is one time I, I did a stand-up comedy gig in Edinburgh. And it was a big deal. Edinburgh is a big deal for those who don't know. It has the world's biggest comedy festival. And I'd gone up and called this venue and said, I'm a stand-up comedian. I want to do a thing. And he said, yeah, sure. How long do you want to go? And because I did music and stand-up together, I said very boldly, 15 minutes. That's a long time for comedy. And, and the organizer said, yeah, sure. And I went, ah, my God, this is great. And he said, so what do you do? I said, well, I do music and comedy. And then he said, yeah, okay, cool. But about that, could you leave the music away and just do the stand-up? And I said, yeah, yeah, cool, no problem. And then I started peeing myself. Basically, I'd been booked for a 15-minute straight-up talking comedy gig. And I'd never done that before. And it's in Edinburgh, at the Edinburgh Comedy Festival. Okay. I really could have been beside myself. And so what I did that evening is I said to me, I said, Evelyn, just make this for you. Like you're in Edinburgh. This has been your dream for a long time. You're doing comedy. This is my moment. I'm doing this just for me, just for, if I'm having fun, I won. My goal is for me to have fun because that's a much, I can, let me just focus on me having fun. I'm just going to make this all about me. And I went up on stage and just had myself a good time. Needless to say, that gig went down a storm. I got booked to do a whole show in Austria from that, made lifelong friends. It was a super blast. But most of all, I had, I still remember how I felt on stage. And I can't tell you, you know, I'm German and I'm a woman. And that in comedy is not always the best combination. And I'm also in comedy, it helps if you're not German, if you're not a woman. And also, you know, back in the days, nowadays, we have a lot of people who, who, who are also good looking in and I don't want to say that to be arrogant, but in stand-up comedy, that counts against you. Like the amount of times oh, wow. I've heard, why would you do comedy? You're pretty. It's not oh, funny. Wow. It's funny <laughs> to be pretty. So you have to work against that. It, it, comedy is for, is for the misfits. Uh-huh. It, it's, it's the misfit that makes it funny. That's how we create the joke. So if you don't look like a misfit and you're feminine and you're German, I mean, you've got all odds behind. Anyway. So in that combination, when I'm on a stage and then people are laughing at my jokes, it's so, I mean, I get on such a high. So I had such a good time. Anyway, that was the point to make it about you. And I want people to hear and see making it about you is selfish in the good selfish way. Yeah. Making it about your worries is selfish in a bad selfish way. And yeah. And I, I like what you say that if you are have a problem with being selfish then focus on the serving and it's funny because yeah some people will like oh how can i think only of me you know so it's like okay then focus on the serving you have both choices you can do both yeah. or one of them yeah, yeah. that's it <laughs> there's an option for everyone yeah. like don't worry we'll find something for you <laughs> <laughs> and i like what you're saying about loving being on stage because we hear so often Oh, everybody is afraid of being, you know, public speaking or being on stage. It's like, no, some people love it. Some people get energized. Some people are, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. And I think we see it like I, we have to be afraid and we have to be, you know, self-conscious. And, and it's beautiful when there's people that don't and that can lead the way into being more confident. Because at the end, every part of your life is like a little stage. So if you are more willingness to be on this stage of your life then you will be more you know present and people will get more from you you know so yeah so it's uh it's beautiful that there's people like you (laughs) lead the way and i think it's really important that to teach the joy aspect and this is the essence of what i do when i help people deepen their impact and without joy without pleasure how are we going to do that? Like, do you really think you're going to have more impact by being even more serious? Because the world needs more serious people. Does it now? Not in my books. Yeah. So 
I might go against what traditional media training might teach you. I don't know, maybe not. But I can see that a leader on stage who wants to be on stage is far more impactful than a leader who is on stage who doesn't want to be on stage. And of course, you can pretend and you get through your thing, but that's not leadership. Leadership is full-bodied presence. So when you can lead that with joy and pleasure and and the willingness to be seen, mm, I think that's how we that's how we impact. That's how we change things. And how do you help introverts to be more on stage, meaning whatever stage that is for everybody else? Mm. I, I love that question because it presumes that introverts don't like being on stage. And that's not true. In fact, some of the most successful stage people are introverts. Yeah. And I know I present extrovert, but I'm 60-40. So 40% of me is introvert. I spend a lot of time on my own. I don't like to be around big crowds of people. So this introvert-extrovert conversation is sometimes a little bit exaggerated. If it serves you, keep it up. But if you find it doesn't help you, let's, let's not have it too much. Because here's the thing. If you are a leader and you want to and you want to have an impact, it's going to be conducive for you to present, present yourself, present your ideas. Be in leadership means being seen, means being heard, means being felt, means even being on a stage or being on a screen. Let's care a little bit less whether you're an introvert or an extrovert and let's care a little bit more about what you're here to do. Introvert extrovert was originally there to look at where do you take your energy from? An extrovert takes the energy from being around people and introvert takes the energy from being on their own. This has nothing to do with being on stage. And it's actually the reason why introverts are so good on stage because you're on your own. And <laughs> so I can tell this again for both, right? If I talk to an introvert, I'm saying, you have the perfect requirements to be on camera, especially filming yourself at home because there's nobody in the room there's nobody watching you. It's just you and the camera and you can really bring your fullest self out and then you happen to be able to send it out. And this is really helpful also for people like me in the in the place where I'm a bit embarrassed about myself. So the introvert Evelyn loves that piece. Okay, so you're in a perfect position when you're an introvert to be on stage and when you are um, on screen. Now, if the extrovert comes in, but what about me? What about me? What about me? I said, darling, you're in the perfect position to be on stage because when you're on stage, lots of people are there with you in the room. They're all watching you, aren't they? So focus on that. And you're the perfect position to be on camera because you think you're alone in the room, but your video will be watched. So why don't you see everybody that's watching already in your mind's eye, all the people that you're influencing. And so that's how it works. With <laughs> Look, I'm not telling any lies. Both no, is true. No, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's as true. with everything, it's a shift of perspective. So as your coach, I'm helping you find the perspective that works for you so that you can thrive. That's what it's about. It's not a one size fits all. It's finding out what works for you as you thrive, as you come out in the most powerful, potent version of yourself. There you go. What's the story that's going to empower you? And it's all stories. So let's use the ones that will make us push us forward. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. I love it. And and this podcast has women, has men as listener, and I have clients, men and women. But I'm curious to know, uh, as you have worked with so many people, what is your experience? Do you see a difference between how women and men project confidence? Mm, my goodness, you ask good questions. <laughs> Difference in how men and women project confidence. Women ask me more about confidence than men. Isn't that interesting? I, yeah. Maybe because women are easier to admit that they need help with that. Men don't talk quite as much about it. Yeah. Although we all need it. It's an, it never goes away. I need confidence. Yeah, but it's a, yeah, women ask me more. So how do they project confidence differently? Uh, I think what comes to me is that women are riddled with insecurity very overtly because our culture has set us women up to be insecure. It's one of the very charming feminine qualities 
you know, the more sweet and insecure and uh, palatable you are, the more feminine you're perceived. This is nonsense, by the way. I'm just iterating of how I see culture having played out. Whereas for men, it is actually socially very acceptable to be strong, outward, outgoing, go get what you want, say what you need, say what you want, go get it. For a woman, that's traditionally actually not okay to say what did that's hey stop stop being so bossy they call girls bossy when they say what they want i mean they don't call boys bossy quite that quickly or, or other things i will say even worse <laughs> oh don't be a bitch sorry oh that's yeah that's so that's when a woman is angry mm. and powerful they call her a bitch mm. when a man is angry and powerful they call him powerful okay or he has a character yeah. or oh, a character yes good yeah. one he has a character mm. And, and she has an animal, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's out of control. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, it's interesting how the judgments fall. So yeah. the society accepts women, uh, accepts men to be in a certain outgoing way and women are encouraged to be less so until they become leaders. And then we are expected to be outgoing, say what you need, be who you are and all that good stuff and drop all the social conditioning like it was never there. It was never there. <laughs> it's, it's challenging. So no wonder, actually, thinking about it now, that women will ask about confidence more than men, because we have to literally reprogram, decondition and and reinvent ourselves in a way that has us be confident, be natural, be outgoing. And we like being liked. Like I don't promote the rebellious thing to such a degree that everybody hates you uh, and we have to change the whole society for it to be okay. There is a way for a woman to be powerful and charming. And there's a, there's a way for a woman to be angry and heard. Yes, apart from the, I know that we're quickly judged, but I think it's really important we step in our anger, we utilize our anger, and we learn to express it in a way that creates change. Because anger is a change maker. That's a powerful thing. And this, this podcast is called Change Maker's Mind. So mm. I guess we need to use anger more. <laughs> so, I like that. And what is the change you want to see in the world? Oh, so I am calling for an end to all chronic insecurity and the culture of chronic insecurity. I'm very passionate about that. I want to see a change in the world to the adrenaline addic addiction mm. that most of us have succumbed to. And I want to oxytocinate people. <laughs> oxytocinate, intoxicate, oxytocinate. So rather than pushing ourselves and, and, and achieving from that place of yes, and pressure and adrenaline, and I want to see us thrive from the hormones that are released through hugging and lovemaking and breastfeeding and loving and collaborating. So I'm not saying breastfeed and make love everywhere, although I think that's probably a great idea. But in, in a business context, I want to see more value placed on what they call soft skills, more value placed on collaboration, on talking with each other, on being, on allowing yourself, on creating a good relationship with yourself, your body, your spirit and other people from a more gentler perspective and also with the unknown. Let's have a better relationship with the unknown. That's the change I want to see in the world. I want to see women, mothers especially, and I want to see women and mothers having, how am I going to say that? I really love the idea that we have equal opportunities and equal rights. I get we're not the same and we shouldn't have to be, and I don't aspire for that. But we need, there's a lot of work to be done for women to have the same opportunities. Example, when I left my relationship, my marriage, I couldn't even get a flat because to get a flat, you have to prove that you make a certain amount of money for the last two years. Well, I had a baby. If you have a baby, you shouldn't be put under the same pressure like everybody else to make the same kind of money. That's ridiculous. Why am I not allowed to have a flat? 
Why can't I rent somewhere? I could only rent when somebody else put their name down to say Evelyn is probably going to pay a rent. If not, I'll do it for her. That is not right. Mm. Um, as a woman, it's harder for us to get the jobs that we want or the workplace arrangement that we want because we're missing them. When the kids are ill, it's usually the woman that, that everybody relies on. I know it's getting better and there's some amazing men out there assuming more responsibility, but as, an, as a general rule, they're still not. Everybody expects the woman to do it. And that's why women even don't even get hired for certain positions because we already think, well, she's probably going to drop out. And she is because she's still assuming. These things really, really annoy me. I want to see a change in the world for that. I want to see that improved. I want to see, here's the entrepreneurial example for that. When I, I started working again after having children and I needed childcare, why is that not a business expense? Given mm. that I need childcare so I can run my business. It is yeah. the first business expense I have yet. I have to pay it for my personal salary, which I don't have yet. I think that is, that's another way of keeping women down, in my opinion. So that's, again, I want to see a change in the world where we, where we work with humans to create opportunities that are good for everyone. Mm -hmm. There you go. There you are. Powerful. <laughs> I, I could keep going on talking with you forever and asking a million questions, but I want to be respectful of the time. Is there anything that you would have been like to be asked that I didn't ask you? Oh my God. I think your questions were absolutely phenomenal and really enjoyable to answer. Um, so um, what would I like to be asked? I think I would like to be asked why people work with me and who would benefit mm -hmm. from working with me. Is that a question you'd be willing to ask me? Yes. <laughs> yes. Go on and ask me. Ask me. Okay, so why <laughs> what is the benefit that people get from working with you? That is such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I just came up with it like that, you know. <laughs> awesome. And I can I came up with it too, so now I have to really think about it. <laughs> so what did I say? What do people what are people benefiting from? So my clients come to me because they are extraordinary leaders and they are frustrated because the way that they're great in person with people and the way that they are when they are seen by others is is, is there's just such a gap and they're really frustrated by that gap because it feels really unfair on their on, on to them and to the people that they're serving so they they come to me to close that gap and really elevate in their public leadership and they want to learn how to be themselves when everybody is watching And and they want to learn how to how to elevate their business without working more. They really want to have this more pleasure fueled approach that also yields more results. Um, and they benefit from working with me because I like to create what I call magic. And magic is that thing where we speak things into the world that seem completely impossible, like singing when you have a dysfunctional voice or um, doing really big video shoots when you haven't had that much work lately or being on your favorite TV show when a few years ago you might have been really shy of the camera. And it's really fascinating to watch how these things are happening. I mean, I have clients playing Glastonbury Festival this year, presenting on major TV shows, being offered budgets for videos that were beyond the limit of what they said they'd be comfortable with. So it's all really wow. exponentially growing. Yeah. And I call that magic. Um, all, the, all the while having actually a healthier relationship with themselves, more relaxation, more connection, more downtime that they had before. That's the magic that I like to bring to the world. And the people who feel that their intuition is guiding them to say, oh, I really like what this woman have to say. They are usually the people who benefit the most uh -huh. <laughs> versus the people who think that's not for me. Yeah, you probably won't benefit so much. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And I've seen you, I've seen you in action. I've seen what you do. And, and in very short amount of time, I think you were like about 10, 15 minutes. minutes and I could plus. already see a shift in people. Uh, amazing, amazing. Because it's not like, like we were discussing, you know, it's not voice, voice, sorry, voice coaching is 
is so much bigger than that. Just with a couple of few things, few questions, then you shift how that person is speaking and projecting and suddenly it's almost like a different person it's really amazing to watch so i'm sure you know your clients benefit so much from your work so everybody that is listening please follow this woman and get into her world and if you want magic to happen then you know where to find her <laughs> i will put all her information in the notes of the episode and we will send out all that so i just want to thank you so much for your time evelyn it's been a great 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 pleasure to talk to you and maybe we can bring you back in the future and see and get to ask you more questions <laughs> yeah it's a pleasure so much fun to have that and um and to your audience there are should we send them out the link to the impact assessment so they can find out where they are yeah their yeah. own impact for example yeah and on the website you'll find i've got quite a few things for free there's some quizzes and there's some even some mini courses that are offered for, for people to have a, an opportunity to get into this world and get some more of this of the nice. goodness yes yes yes, okay. yes 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 exciting that's good good good, good. we'll put everything in the notes so that people put can it reach it and for those so for those listening go to the notes all the information will be there and it would also be in the post everything all the information that we put so Thank you so much again, Evelyn. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for your awesome questions and great listening. And thank you everyone for listening. I really, really appreciate it.